ready to begin. What year is this? The year is 2020, and this is Beyond Sin. Well, hey there. Welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 246. And on the show today, I'm going to be chatting with Star Runner. That's later in the program. Before then, as we've been doing the past few weeks, we are meeting some of the awesome Beyond Synth patrons. That's right. You know, there's awesome people who support Beyond Synth, who've been supporting Beyond Synth for years. And I thought it would be a good time this year to recognize them and meet them and finally chat with them. Some people whose names I've been saying on this show for like four years. You know, it's fun to finally get to meet these people. So today we're going to be meeting Jacob Wick, who has uh, been a patron for a long time, and that's going to be fun. We're going to listen to awesome tunes like the one I'm going to play right now, which is now, of course, we're we're sitting there meeting Patreon supporters. But of course, uh, just as important are my awesome PayPals. That's right. The people who support Beyond Synth on PayPal. And so I'd like to give a quick shout out to my awesome PayPals. Of course, the king of the PayPal's Upgrade Jimby. You are a really cool PayPal. A cool guy. And then there's the Ross Conian, Timothy Warwick, Anselmo Incorporated, Digital Dreams, Jimmy Groon, Ross Bruce, Russell Nyes, Brandon Morin, and Jersey. So thank you all for supporting Beyond Synth via PayPal. There's lots of different ways to support the show, and I'm happy that you guys do. You guys are awesome. So now, let's listen to this. This is a cool track. I just discovered this the other day. It's a song by uh, by an outfit called Yate, Y-A-T-T-E. And uh, you're going to dig this song because uh, it sounds great. It's called Fracture. Check it out. If there's a fracture in your heart, gonna tear it open all the way. It's a painful place to start.
And that was Yate from the album Shadow Work with the track Fracture. Uh, really good stuff. If you dig that sound, the whole album's great. He's doing a cool sound I don't really hear uh, too often in the scene, and so it was nice to hear some of those vibes. So go check out Yate, Y-A-T-T-E. And that was brought to you by the kings of the Pattersons. That's right, Robert D. Bishop, Chris Dance, and Mike Shima. You guys are the kings of the Pattersons. Now look, speaking of Patreon supporters, I've been doing a thing the last few weeks, meeting uh, my awesome patrons, and uh, I am joined today via satellite by... uh, I'm joined by or I'm joined with? I'm joined with? I'm joined by. By. I would say by. Okay. I am joined by... The awesome Jacob Wick. How's it going, man? It's going good, Andy. Thanks. We've never talked before, right? No. I've only sent you emails and various text messages. And some Lego. Yes, and Lego. Yeah, man. I really appreciated that. I feel like I talked about that for like months on the show. (laughs) It's like, Jacob Wick sent me a box of Lego. I just feel a little bad because your whole reason for collecting Lego was to build a castle. And I kept all of my castle Legos. But that's okay. Like, I could tell what you did give me, because even though it came in pieces, I'm like, all right, I see some uh, some Phantom Menace Lego in here, and there was a few... Uh, what are the... Are they just called droids in Phantom Menace, or do they have a word? Like the, the stupid Roger Roger ones? Yeah. Battle droids? Who knows? Yeah, battle droids. I may have been trying to erase the fact that I was once too young to not be critical of the Phantom Menace and not understand that, that was a terrible movie. Yeah, the thing is, though, like... Uh, George Lucas was all about making toys, and so, I mean, they're they're valid toys, just not a valid film, that's all. Yeah, my taste in movies didn't really develop until I was at least, like, 14, so yeah, I try not to hold it against myself. No, 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 and that's, like, that's the same for everybody. When I look back at a lot of the movies I liked as a kid, it just so happens that I still think they're good movies now. Well, Howard the Duck is stupid. <laughs> that's a hard one to defend. Such a weird film. Well, I was six years old and had the movie that I like to watch every day. That was Jurassic Park for me. Yeah, so there you go. Which is ironic because it's PG-13, but... Well, whatever. (laughs) It was a different time. It was the early 90s. (laughs) Yeah, man. So, yeah, so that that Lego did go into my big uh, stash. I've got, like, a big thing. I feel like I want to make videos where I build things. I was thinking about going online because you can get the old Lego instructions. Mm, yep. Actually, you can get Lego instructions for everything, right? And so one time I did build a Millennium Falcon using just the instructions. And like every time I didn't have the right pieces, I sort of cobbled together something that kind of worked. It was the Millennium Falcon. Like it was fucking wonky, but like it's still, <laughs> it, you know, it was what it was. I mean, the Millennium Falcon is sort of pieced together in its actual optimal design. It's sort of been through repairs and isn't shiny and new like the stuff in the prequel trilogy so it makes it good yeah that was my justification because then i added a whole bunch of extra details when i had to like mask some of the stuff that i had to remove or that i couldn't do properly i'm like oh i'll just fucking (laughs) i'll load it with all these extra things so look listen let's get to know fucking uh, jacob wick man because you have been a beyond synth supporter for a long time i think if i remember correctly I mean, because you've been a patron for a long time. Yeah. And you were, I believe, one of the the original patrons who actually donated, like, a generous amount. And I remember going like, oh, wow, people would actually do that? And I was incredibly grateful to you, and still am. Yes. I was the number two donor, I think, for a while. And then I've kind of 
falling back from that 88 pack. Well, that's okay. I mean, I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying, it's a, <laughs> I just remember like in, in, in the old days, when I first started the Patreon, like you were one of the first ones to join, and then... Uh, I'm just saying you're a nice guy is what I'm trying to say. I don't know if I'm wording this properly, but... Well, you make a good show, and you deserve to be compensated for it. That's my opinion. So, what... And thank you. What, so, so, what do you do? I know we, we've, <laughs> we've talked about this in sort of text form. I believe it has something to do with civil engineering or something. Yeah, that would be the term for my job title as a civil engineer. But uh, basically, I just... I design roads. You design roads? Yes. What does that mean? Well, you know, like the uh, alignments and profiles, so the actual geometry of how roads go together, and then there's the more complicated structural elements for how much traffic goes on, so how strong the road needs to be and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't imagine this is very exciting for those who aren't in the field. Listen, every week... No, I, I talk to my patrons and everyone has, you know, they've got these different jobs and I always find it really interesting to find out what people do. Because when you say I design roads, I mean, obviously the only thing that I picture in my head is SimCity or City Skylines or something. The sort of definition of civil engineering is engineering civilization. So all the sort of structures and infrastructure that the world needs is sort of the job of civil engineers in general. So is this a math job? Yes, very math heavy. At least school was. When you actually do the job, computers do all the math for you, but school was almost exclusively math-based. I feel like when I was young, I thought I was good at math. I think I was up until grade nine. No, I think I did okay in grade nine. The teacher was like nice enough guy. He turned out to be a murderer, but he was was nice enough at the time. (laughs) And yeah, we had a bunch of weird teachers now that that I think about it. That story ends really dark. (laughs) That one was okay, but then the next year I had this other guy. I don't think he liked me too much, and then I just fell out of love with math. I wasn't really in love with math, but I mean like, it just wasn't as good. And then uh, from that point on, I barely passed every year. I think I maybe charmed my way into just passing by just being like, hey, but I'm an affable guy, right? You can make that a 51. (laughs) I mean, I never did that. But literally, that's what I got. Like, literally, my last three years of math were all like 51, 54, 52. (laughs) And then I was done. And I'm like, all right, done with math. Yeah, I was actually an all-state math elite, if that's something that would impress people to say. Well, it's something we're going to talk about after we listen to this next song. How about that? <laughs> I want to hear all about mathletes, but first I want to uh, listen to some music, and I got a cool one here from Jupiter Ace, and it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Of course, there is uh, the awesome Jose Arbello with the 66.6. You are a very cool guy, Jose. And, of course, the awesome Jacob Wick with the 4488. Jacob Wick, you are a cool guy, and I'm talking to you right now. I'm saying it to you literally, right? Yes, that's me. I'm Jacob Wick. Yeah. <laughs> So look, let's uh, listen to this track, man. This is Jupiter Ace with Rewind.
right, and that was Rewind by Jupiter Ace. And that's a cool song. I dig that one. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's City Hunter with the 42. And in the 2666 Club, there's Hugh Hefner. We met her a few weeks ago. And Lucas Ceballos. And we are back here meeting the patrons. Of course, we'll be chatting with Star Runner later in the show. But right now, we are chatting with... Jacob Wick, patron extraordinaire, who just told me he was a mathlete, so let's go. Basically, there was just a math test that students across the state took, and the top 10 scores were considered all state, so that was a thing I did. So you were that good? Yeah. I mean, top 10 in the least popular state in the United States. I should preface that, that... I grew up in Wyoming. It's the least populous state. And then if you look at the map and if you have ever noticed those two square states over in sort of the western half, it's the top one. And those are the pertinent facts about Wyoming. Listen, man, even if you're in the top 10, it's like if you said like, hey, I won the beauty pageant and it's like, well, it was a real small state, but I'm still going to assume you're a pretty girl. I mean, <laughs> if you won the beauty pageant, you know what I'm saying? What I'm saying, Jacob Wick, is you're a pretty girl. Yes. Is <laughs> what I'm trying to say. So is mathletes like it is on TV and like the few shows I've seen where they depict mathletes? Like, do you go to a thing where people like do rapid fire questions and you're like sitting in a row with your school? No, it was basically you just sit and take like a test and then fill out a Scantron sheet. And it was like a hundred question test. And then they just put everyone through the Scantron and total the scores at the end. Does, does a fucking robot do it? Not exactly as drama filled as what you might see on the TV. Oh, I thought it was like, you know, where there's like some guy and he's like going, what is the square root of 45 and the Pythagorean? And then they point to something. This is, this is where my math lingo falls apart. Then they point to one of the kids and then you're like... That's 44.65. And they're like, you're right. And then the next team goes in and you like face off against like another competitor. Maybe I'm thinking about competitive spelling. Yeah, that's more of a spelling bee format. And then I think there are math competitions like that, but that's not what we did. Ours was more, you know, like a gym full of kids sitting at tables doing calculations. So not exactly a riveting watch, I would say. Yeah, I love the idea that it just goes through the Scantron. I mean, like, does it even need, like, a human to announce the winner? Like, it's just been, like, a fucking robot that's just, like, it was number four, five, eight, and then, like, it spits out a fucking award. It just, like, prints it out of its mouth. Well, they did. They call up the top ten, and then this is for the regional, and then the top ten of the state are considered the all-state, and then they gave you money my last couple of years as technically a scholarship, so I made money doing math well that's cool so that's something and they had really good cookies so that was worth going just for that i guess i mean i guess if you're already good at math i feel like if i studied really hard to be good at math and then i went to this fucking thing where it's just a room full of people at tables and a plate of cookies i think i might feel a little ripped off i mean you miss a day of school and you get a nice soft oatmeal raisin cookie thrown in so raisins feel Boo! Oatmeal raisin. No way. Best cookie. No. I'm not a fan of the raisin. You and I. <laughs> we have differences of opinion, Andy. You and I. But I still think you're a good guy. Yeah. Well, someone... I, I, I want you now to, like, uh, lower your donation because of this. He doesn't like fucking raisins. Well, if I was going to do that every time I disagreed with something you said on the show, <laughs> I... wouldn't be mentioned every week i'll tell you that (laughs) see but no listen that makes you a good guy and a cool guy because i do have some people who tend to like write me messages whenever like i said a thing they didn't like (laughs) and it's uh sort of like okay like i'm not a fucking political pundit here like i'm just a guy yeah 
You've been going pretty hard at 90s music lately, Andy, and I mean, it's a little <laughs> offensive to the younger generation. Like, that is my nostalgic period, and the 80s is just sort of something I'm more nerdy for. Yeah. I wasn't really alive during the 80s. So, when you go hard on Semisonic, it cuts me, Andy. Okay. It cuts me deep. Well, that I can't take back, but, wh- <laughs> but what I can say is... <laughs> What I can say is, I do like a lot of stuff from the 90s. It's sort of like a generalization. What I dislike the most, honestly, it is just the kind of the pop rock kind of stuff. Because obviously I was listening to a lot of like industrial and techno and trance and all this other stuff. Uh, and Depeche Mode and like, you know, bands from the 80s that were still kind of going and, and synth pop and stuff like this. Because my wife listens to 90s radio. Like that's the one she she chooses to put on. And so, again, I've done this a million times, or if I start singing Closing Time or fucking one of those songs, <laughs> that's the stuff that I can't do. That's it. Like, it's not it's not everything about the 90s. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff I love from the 90s, and movies, and obviously my favorite video games seem to come from the 1996 to 97 range. So, it's... <laughs> but yeah, it's just the fucking stuff where there's no synths, and it's just guys and guitars and fucking... Two princes. Okay, two princes is garbage. I will, I will give you that. <laughs> but I mean, I could make the rest of this interview defensive songs by like Third Eye Blind, The Bare Naked Ladies. This may surprise a lot of people listening to the show. I don't, uh, I don't mind the Bare Naked Ladies, like, but they're just kind of fun and oh, silly. They're good. A million dollars is a catchy track. Oh, I forget they're Canadian, so they would have you would be familiar with their sort of more obscure catalog from the Canada has a rule CanCon, yeah, where it's just basically like twenty five percent has to be Canadian content, and so we listen to a lot of Canadian artists. But mind you, like you know, Canadian TV has always been noticeably cheaper than American TV, and never had the budgets and blah blah blah. But when it came to the music industry, I think Canada did okay. Like, you know, like when you'd hear Canadian artists, like they would get popular in the States and like it wouldn't be maligned as like, oh, this is Canadian music. Like the music industry produced decent music. It's just the TV and movie side of things is where like everything was always quirky and weird because we just didn't have the budgets. Well, Lex is one of my favorite sci-fi shows of all time, which I believe is Canadian. Just the lead character just annoyed me to look at, and so, like, I've never actually watched the show. <laughs> Lex, Lex is the one with the guy with, like, the black hair, right? And this sort of, like, leathery kind of outfit. Is that Lex? Oh, he's one of the main characters, yes. I would say Stanley Tweedle was the main character who's sort of, like, the sort of bureaucrat. <laughs> Fucking Tweedle. Look, listen. You can tell me all about Lex uh, in a few minutes, okay? But I want to listen to a song first. I got a cool one here from uh, Glowline, and uh, and it's pretty cool, and it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club. There's Clint Dowling, Jimmy the Hutt, Alex Ellickson, A Star Apart, and Restless Nights. Hey, we met him a few weeks ago, too. That's pretty cool. And uh, now let's listen to this. This is Glowline from the album The Line, and this is Glow With Me.
And that was Glowline with Glow With Me from their album, The Line. And that was brought to you, of course, by my awesome Patreon supporters. Well, there's Honeybeard. Hey, Honeybeard. In the $25 club, he just sent me a message. He was having a drink with uh, Julian and Exile. And he was saying, hey, Andy, get back to the city. And I always said, fuck you. And then uh, who else? And then the other people in the $25 club, there's Tim Carlton, Johnny Five, Kempson, and Martin Larby. Hey, Martin Larby, we talked to him last week. Look at this. It's a big fucking Patreon bruja over here. No, it's a bruja. It's a fight, isn't it? Patreon party? Anyways, look, we're back here. We're chatting with uh, Jacob Wick, civil engineer extraordinaire, building roads, who is uh, apparently a big fan of the 90s. And uh, he wants to come to... uh, He he wants to be here and defend it, because I always go off about... uh, I always complain about the 90s, so... What what is the biggest thing that I've ever said where you're like, Hey, Andy, like, don't you dare make fun of fucking... Closing time! Semi-Sonic, they're a good band, Andy. They have (laughs) other good songs. Do they? All right. (laughs) Get a Grip? The best song ever written about masturbation, in my opinion. So what the fuck was Lex? Like, who is that guy with the black hair? I thought he was the lead guy. No, he was an undead assassin who was just stuck on the ship. It was basically a Star Trek knockoff where they just traveled to different locations every week and had an adventure there. So yeah, the guy in like the black leather with the black hair and the white face was the undead assassin guy. And then there was like a prostitute woman who was the third main character on the show. It's super cheap looking, right? Oh yeah, yeah. They're on a giant bug ship yeah i feel like it's that stupid guy because he's got that his hair goes up but then he has this fucking patch of hair that comes down in front of his face and i think that's what bothered me about the show (laughs) that was it i'm a really particular guy yeah no i think i was initially brought in by the uh prostitute woman but the show grew on me after actually watching it at a less impressionable age yeah you know what actually i just (laughs) I just ordered a little present for myself. Uh, I don't know when it's going to get here because I had to order it from the Amazon US store. But, I mean, we all have guilty pleasures, Jacob Wick. And uh, I just ordered uh, my very own copy of Mortal Kombat, the television show on DVD. Hmm. Uh, Mortal Kombat Conquest ran for one season on uh, TNT. And uh, that show is amazing. And I have to... I, I got to watch it again because I just remember, like, the it was just in the 90s aimed squarely at a young male audience so every single woman in that show is always in a bikini for no reason and then and then it's got mortal Kombat characters and then literally all the girls are all like these like really attractive women in like super ridiculously skimpy outfits for no reason even some of them were like fighters and stuff and uh that's about all i can really say about the show it went for one season yeah many shows were canceled well before their time andy you yeah. should <laughs> Well, in the case of Mortal Kombat, it's amazing because that show ends with all the good guys dying. And then I guess maybe they were going to have some like Deus Ex thing in season two where they brought them back to life. But since there is no season two, that show literally just ends with like Shao Kahn defeating Raiden. And then every one of the main characters getting killed by these shadow sorcerers. And then the show's over. It's awesome. It's just so stupid, the show. Short of burning down all the sets, that's about as final an ending to a show as you can get. Yeah. I mean, technically speaking... You don't see them die. They get sort of surrounded by shadow sorcerers, but it is insinuated that that means you're being killed by them. But uh, maybe I'll have to do like a whole review series when I when I get it. Yeah, 
we, there hasn't been a good review series on the show in a while. So, well, I mean, the world doesn't need it. So it's uh, sometimes you gotta <laughs> step back and go. I don't think the world needs this at all, and then decide not to do it. That doesn't mean we don't want it, Andy. <laughs> Well, I tell you what I do want is uh, to listen to some awesome music. Thanks for helping me with that segue. So I want to listen to this track. Uh, it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. Of course, we have the awesome Gregorio Franco and Blake Peterson and Ken Juru. And this is actually a request. How about that? And, you know, people don't often take advantage of the fact, but if you're a $25 patron, you can request songs. It's just no one ever does it. Uh, but today, somebody is, of course, the awesome Tim Carlton from the $25 Club. We mentioned him earlier. Uh, he says, hey, Andy, I'd like to make a song request, if I may. And then in brackets, I don't think you've played it to death, question mark. And, uh, of course, he wants to listen to Endless Journey by Wave Shaper. And I don't ever disappoint my patrons much. So here is Wave Shaper with the track Endless Journey. Just for you, Tim Carlton.
right, and that was Wave Shaper with the track Endless Journey. And that, of course, was a request from awesome patron Tim Carlton. That's right. If you're a patron of Beyond Synth, you can request songs, too. Well, if you're the $25 club. To be fair, I'd probably take requests from any place, but uh, I shouldn't say that publicly. But anyway, Wave Shaper, that's that's good stuff. And it, uh, it was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Ashley Keegan with the 2049, Andy's Laugh with the 20. And uh, yeah, you guys are awesome, man. Go check out Ashley Keegan's uh, site, Forged in Neon. Go check out Forged in Neon, all right? It's a cool place. And uh, speaking of awesome patrons, I'm talking to one right now. I'm talking to Jacob Wick. Yes. Yes, you are. Well, first of all, how did you find my show? Let him riot. After he was on your show, I got a email from him because I was on some mailing list of his that said he was on your show, and I was looking for a music-based podcast at the time. I was actually looking for one that was actually about music of the 80s, but couldn't find one. And then I found your show, and it's like, oh, this is good enough. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's right, because didn't I do, in the first year of, like, uh, the Patreon, I used to do little videos to thank the patrons, and then I think, yeah, you mentioned you were a Let Em Riot fan, and so I got him to do a video where we did a shout-out to you. That's right, right? Yes. That was an amazing video. Yes, thank you for that, Andy. Well, thank you for supporting the show. All right, so, okay, that makes sense then. I'm always curious, because all these, I'm just thinking, like, where does this uh, civil engineer sitting around building roads and listening to Semisonic all of a sudden come into contact with Beyond Synth to the point where they feel like they need to support the show? You know, that's always interesting to me. Yes, I have zero ties in any way to synthwave production or music production in any way so well that makes you a very rare person in the synthwave scene because pretty much (laughs) all the people even if they are fans of the music are also artists themselves that's the joy of uh, going to like these synthwave i mean not that we're going to anything right now but uh you know hey maybe in like a year's time when we're all fucking got needles in our heads getting rid of the covid and we're all wearing masks and we can go to see shows again if you ever go to a synthwave show you'll find that uh um, I don't know why the needle's in the head, by the way. I just, <laughs> it's, just, it's a brave new world post-COVID, Andy. Uh, the funny thing is pretty much everybody there, like you feel like, oh, there's an audience who came out to listen to music, cool, and like all of them have a SoundCloud page with uh, some tracks they want you to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a very music nerdy scene, I would describe it as. Mm. So it only makes sense that such people would create their own music, just not me. Yeah. So what do you do, man, in your free time when you're not uh, doing roads? I don't know. I would say, like, writing is my creative outlet of choice. I don't know. I've been writing a D&D campaign lately has sort of been my thing that's keeping me busy. Okay, so what does that mean? Because, I mean, I've talked to people who sort of, like, who run games and stuff like that, but when you write a campaign, what exactly are you writing? Basically, you're just figuring out what your characters are going to run into and the stuff they're going to find and sort of planning how things things will unfold. Wait, wait, but I thought, isn't the whole nature of the role-playing that anything can sort of happen? Like, how do you structure it so it still feels like you're playing something naturally, but at the same time you have stuff planned? Yeah, well, the campaign I'm running isn't that sort of open-ended. They are just doing sort of a one-direction dungeon crawl. They keep going down floors in the dungeon, and then I just plan out what's ahead of them. Right, okay. They're not just open enough fantasy world free to go in any direction they choose. So I read a story that was interesting, because I guess, uh, is it Wizards of the Coast that does uh, Dungeons & Dragons? Like, they were going to change the character classifications or something? Yes. I think I sort of understand the basic premise, right? So it's like, in Dungeons & Dragons, 
you've got character classes that are based on their race, and then their race sort of defines whether or not they're bad or good, and so they're trying to eliminate that. So your race doesn't necessarily define if you are a bad person necessarily. Well, it doesn't like hard lock you into being good or evil, but they do have suggestions with races that like this race is generally evil sort of wording written like that. Yeah. So I could understand why that might be problematic, even if they are goblins. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I know it's one of those things where right now there's just so many companies like scrambling to like either cover their asses for shit they did in the past or stuff. And so this one makes sense to me because like when you play a role playing game, you you make whatever character you have your own anyways. I mean, whether it be a video game or a D&D campaign and stuff. Yeah. And I understand, okay character classifications are very sort of like it's like a loose starting point i know there's lots of stories because i remember when i worked at the bank i i listened to a bunch of books because i i just had to find whatever audiobooks i could that were free and so i listened to the Icewind dale trilogy the dark elf trilogy by fucking r.a salvatore or i don't know how you say his last name yeah and the whole premise of that is that the lead character Drist is a dark elf but he's a good guy but everyone thinks he's an asshole because yeah. he's a dark elf and so everyone treats him like shit the fact that dark elves are generally considered evil is not yeah so yeah <laughs> i guess that one makes sense because i know a lot of times people try and connect different races to like real world races and go like this character class is an allegory for this real thing but i understand when you say like dark elf i mean like you know <laughs> like what could that be yeah that's problematic <laughs> But then again, I mean, the whole drama of that whole book series is the fact that, like, he's a good dark elf, and so he has to face all this adversity because people don't like him inherently because of who he is, and then he's showing them up because he's actually, like, a good guy. But I think one time, didn't he get, like, he got, like, a mask that actually makes him look like a white elf or a light elf? (laughs) You can just say white elf. We know what you mean, Andy. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but I guess that doesn't, like, these are sorts of things that I feel like there is some nerds who are probably complaining, but I imagine it really doesn't affect anything, like, in any negative way, especially if you're, like, a creative person writing these sorts of campaigns. Yeah, well, the whole, like, binary concept of good and evil is sort of my primary issue with fantasy in general. Sure. Whereas where I usually lean more towards science fiction, where it's just like, well, the Klingons aren't necessarily evil, they just have opposing viewpoints that are in opposition to ours. So there's conflict there, not they worship a dark lord who wants to bring about the apocalypse sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many words is a fucking typical campaign? Like when you're writing a campaign, is it like just a... Are you writing a novel? Like what's going on? I'm not actually writing most things out. Like most of the time I'm actually like drawing maps and then you just sort of write notes to yourself for how you plan on things to happen. So it's you don't write out like a narrative, I guess. I mean, can people die? Like, or do you, you want them to get to the end, right? Yeah, well, it depends on how you run the game. I don't run a game where I'm looking to kill characters, but some people like a more hardcore experience where characters die. It's sort of all up to who's playing. All right, that makes sense to me, man, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about this? I want to listen to another song that maybe we can wind down here, or at least this little section here of getting to know Jacob Wick. But I want to listen to another track, and then we'll uh, talk for a few more minutes, dude. So this is a... Uh... <laughs> 
I've never said that in my life. We'll talk for a few more minutes, dude. Yeah, dude. Uh, listen, this song uh, is cool. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. With the 1986, it's Ethan Bobson Dugnut Hennings, a.k.a. The Real Sonny Crockett, who, uh, as I said last week, has been helping me find some tracks. And actually, this week, put me on to some of the stuff that we've uh, listened to today. So I was very uh, thankful to him. And with the 1985, it's Rachel Buchelman. And with the 1984, it's Murat. And now, let's listen to this. So this was a song I dug. This is Darwin MCD and Mark Bebb. Uh, it's a single called Feather Light. I dig this. I like sometimes, you know, when dudes sing with that falsetto voice because it kind of reminds me of, like, you know, Bronsky Beat and Communards and that sort of thing. And that's uh, stuff I dig. And so hopefully you uh, dig this, too. This track by Darwin MCD and Mark Bebb. This is Feather Light.
And that was Featherlight by Darwin MCD and Mark Bebb. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $15 Club. There's Prophet of Jupiter, Six Mill, Gus Velichek, Hampus ML, and Chatterack. And uh, we're back here. We're meeting patrons, just like we've been doing the past few weeks. And I'm talking right now to the awesome Jacob Wick, who is a really cool guy and has been a, a very longtime supporter of Beyond Synth. So um, before I let you go, is there something, you know, when you listen to the show and you just sit there and go like, man, Andy needs to hear this. Well, I used to be better at putting little comments in the SoundCloud feed whenever I had anything real printed to tell you, so which you are generally pretty good at responding to so thank you for those. Yeah, I try I mean like, if I answer all of them then it looks like I'm paying too much attention to it it's all a psychological game, you know it's like when you're like text messaging someone you you don't want to text the girl back too soon because then she thinks you're real needy so you want to wait like a day. Yeah, be aloof battle impressor. That's what Got me all my zero dates in high school as being yeah. aloof. <laughs> I watch a lot of those pickup artist videos. I've learned a great deal. <laughs> I have actually watched those videos. They're weird. It's a dark place. Again, you know how YouTube has this weird algorithm? So, like, if I watch, like, an episode of Joe Rogan's podcast, uh, even if the conversation's with, like, an actor or something, you know, and it'll be like, oh, you like that? Here's a bunch of right-wing talk shows. I'm like, okay. And then one day it just suggested to me fucking pickup artist videos. And I'm like, what? It was like this redheaded guy with a beard, and, like, that's his whole shtick, because it's like, hey, man, if I can pick up girls and whatever... And, like, then he would show this hidden camera footage of him picking up girls, but they were all drunk. So it was like, are his tactics really working here, or are these women just wasted? Yeah, well, at best, it's teaching you to psychologically manipulate people rather than, you know, actually connect with people on an emotional level, which I don't think should be your goal. (laughs) That's just me, though. I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, uh, you know, I watch those videos, and I watch videos about people, like, walking around, like, swinging pocket watches in front of ladies trying to hypnotize them. And uh, I feel like you do those two things in concert with each other, and you are going to be uh, <laughs> world's biggest creep. Yeah, I mean, if that's what you're looking to be. <laughs> no, no. If that's what you're looking to be, no. <laughs> no, man, we know you're a good guy. It's okay. I'm just, I like to have fun and uh, say stupid things on my show so that people can complain to me later. Hey, man, don't make fun of those pickup artists. They've got some good tips, Andy. You just haven't watched it all. You haven't watched the good ones. That's what I'll get. Well, feel free to forward them onto me or don't, <laughs> read them. But. Hey, man, there's a lady out there who's going to be super impressed with all this road building. I'm going to be like, what? Like, that's that's infrastructure. And you're like, you're damn right it is. <laughs> yeah, I haven't met her yet, but I'm, I'm sure she's out there. <laughs> well, hell, it's hard. What are you supposed to do with this fucking COVID gibberish, right? You can't go outside? Yeah. I mean, I guess you can. I mean, like, pretty much everybody else is. But <laughs> Well, I'm back in Wyoming, which has been pretty unaffected by covid since we have six people per square mile around here well that's nice i mean it's not i mean like i'm I'm in the country right now but i will be back in the city at some point so the only positive to that is i'll have high-speed internet and i'll be in a much smaller place and probably uh, rattled with uh, anxiety day and night and that'll be my (laughs) my experience yeah well, there's always drugs for that, Andy. Mm-hmm. So, man, I should probably let you go here, but uh, do, you have any, do you have any parting words? I guess you could just say, it's closing time, and I know who I want to take me home. What a dumb song. <laughs> you know what it is? It's the lyric, the places they will be from. I hate that. I've always hated that. The places they will be from. It's like this... Do you know what that's from it's because the song was written about his child being born from the places they will be from no i still don't get it so the child leaves the hospital to go out to the places they will be from 
Mm. Or the room, depending on how you interpret what is closing. <laughs> this room won't be open until your brothers or your sisters come. Also a womb. The song's about it's a deep. womb? It's deep, Andy. It's no, deep. it's not. It's, it's a stupid... No, I don't not like... being born, Andy. No, that line... Not just picking up chicks at the bar. No, because like that video was just him staring weirdly into the camera in a mall. Just that stupid, when he's just looking at the camera all funny, and then the places you will be from, like, I feel like it's a line that it sounds like it's cleverer than it is, you know what I mean? Like, they were thinking it was... Layers of meaning. You, you know, it's like... deeper, Andy. You gotta dig deeper for the layers. No, it's like when people put a line in a movie, like, this is the end of the beginning, and then, like, a character turns around, oh, the beginning of the end, you know, and they think, like, like it's, like, witty dialogue, and, like, there's so many movies I've seen, like, fantasy and sci-fi, where there's a character who's just, like, this is the end, or maybe it's just a beginning, you know, and it's all, like, ooh, and that's what I feel about that line. It's like that. <laughs> I disagree, Andy. Well, listen, I value your point of view because you are an awesome guy. How about that? Thank you, Andy. You, too, are a cool dude. Uh, thank you very much for supporting the show. I really do actually appreciate it a lot, and thank you for the gift of Lego all those years ago. It's in the collection. Well, thank you for making the show, and thank you for allowing me on it, Andy. Yeah, man, for sure. And you have a lovely day, and keep on doing the important work of civil infrastructure engineering. We all need roads. That's what I'm trying to say. We do need roads. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> that's the that's an awesome end line. Sorry, just <laughs> we all need roads. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> it's like you're just giving a speech. <laughs> all right, and that was me chatting with patron extraordinaire Jacob Wick. It's been uh, fun getting to know my patrons this past few weeks. I'm going to keep doing this because uh, I want to make sure that you all understand as patrons of Beyond Synth, you are incredibly important and you are the reason why this show can keep going. I mean, I've said this before. I love making the show and meeting awesome uh, artists and playing cool music for you all. And I would still do it if there wasn't uh, the Patreon, but I would only be able to do like one episode every few months, you know, because I'd have to be doing other things and stuff like that. So the Patreon and the PayPal are incredibly important for keeping this show going and on schedule and all that stuff. And so if you want to support the show like uh, these awesome people that I've been naming, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or go to beyondsynth.com and click on the donate button. And look, I want to listen to one more track and then we are going to go chat with Star Runner. So look, Ogre... You know Ogre, he does the theme song to Beyond Synth. I know this season we're sort of using a remixed version of the theme song that I made, but uh, Ogre is awesome. Uh, He's one of my favorite artists. He's one of the first artists I discovered. Uh, He makes great music. He has a new album out called Off the Grid, Deep Cuts, and More Besides. And he's being clever because he enjoys his puns. Instead of saying besides, more besides, like the word besides get it anyways look man uh this album's actually really awesome i know it's all b-sides and stuff but to me it almost sounds like a successor to calico Braun, like my favorite album of his because it is an assortment of tracks but a lot of them do have uh cool beats maybe it's a bit more cinematic than calico Braun is but like it's still good stuff and i want to listen to this track right now because it's awesome this is the bench it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, Mads Baron Christensen, and we will never forget the immortal Chris Lyalane. And this is The Bench by Ogre.
And that was Ogre with the track The Bench from the album Off the Grid, Deep Cuts, and more besides. And uh, that's a cool track. That album is filled with cool songs. And it was brought to you uh, by my awesome Patreon supporters. Of course, there's a new patron here. Stephen Forster uh, is now in the $5 club. I hope that's Stephen, right? Stephen ends with an A. Is that correct? I feel like I have a friend named Stephen who spells his name that way, but I think that's Stephen. Anyway, let me know, dude. And also, thanks for your support. And Mr. Gimson has upgraded his support. That's right, Mr. Gimson is now in the $5 club as well. That's a cool club to be in. And speaking of cool patrons, Newmark uh, sent me a message a few days ago. He says, Just wanted to take a minute and say how much I appreciate your work on the show. You're a cool guy. Literally, it's cold up there. And then there's a happy face smiling. Well, thank you, Newmark. I always enjoy when people send me comments that say, You're doing a good job. And uh, those comments make me feel a whole lot better than the comments telling me that I am doing a bad job, which (laughs) I do get from time to time. But uh, thankfully, not that many. That's the one thing, you know, like I, I really would like to have a larger audience for this show and you know if you like the show feel free to share it with your friends and people you know and say hey listen to this show it's a lot of fun but um part of me would fear that as well because if i had a large audience that means there would be a lot more comments on the soundcloud calling me an asshole and i don't know if uh, i feel like reading those kinds of things (laughs) anyway look man the bottom line is this let's go chat with star runner Well, I am here right now with Star Runner. How's it going, man? It's going, man. These are crazy times we're living in. Yeah, dude. So your name is Emmett? My name is Emmett, also known as Star Runner. Cool. So tell me about you, man. Where do you uh, Where do you live? I live in, uh, in California. I live in Oakland, or I did until the world got crazy. I'm hiding out at my parents' house, which is in the country, like an hour north of San Francisco. I figured... Maybe it was a good time to get out of the city. Yeah, man. I'm kind of doing the same thing. Yeah? Where are you? Uh, parents. <laughs> good. It's a good time to be with your family, too. Don't yeah, I guess. On. Although the world is in some fucking stupid calamity right now, I'm trying to keep these as uh, calamity-free as possible. It's a good calamity-free zone, beyond synth? Calamity yeah. Calamity-free zone? Yeah. You know, my... My motto here is fuck 2020 and uh, it's always sunny on Beyond Synth. So I like it. I'm here. I'm chatting with Star Runner. You make cool music. So let's talk about that. Yeah, man. I started making uh, synth music. Oh, God, I think it was like three years ago. I was always into making music, but didn't really have a lot of direction. I never finished songs. And then kind of like I found Synthwave, got really into it and uh started making stuff and it it just kind of happened finally finished a full length last year and i've just been working on promoting that played my first live show last month which was pretty awesome and once we can go out in public again i'm excited to play more live gigs so if you're booking them give me give me a call yeah (laughs) if people are listening to this in fucking six months or (laughs) so when uh (laughs) could like live stream i could like set up a cool set in my apartment like play some gigs people are doing that yeah they are actually we got to make the most of it, man. We need like a, it's time for like a, we are the world kind of thing. Like a synth, we are the world. Yeah. 
My concern is that I think I saw the internet Wonder Woman tried to do one of those and it sort of fell flat. <laughs> but uh, who knows, man? We're, we're, there's a lot of talented musicians in the synthwave scene, so maybe it'll turn out better just because, you know, people are good at it. Or it'll just be fun along the way. So what kind of music were you making before then, before you found the synthwave? Man, I had, in college, I was really into trance and I was making some trance. And that was like the last time that I was actually like finishing some stuff. And no one will ever hear it, but it was a lot of fun. Then I was in some kind of like garage rock bands. Uh, I used to live in L.A. That was a lot of fun. I think that was the last time I played live was when I was in a band in L.A. in like 2004. We were called the Pocket Rockers. Pretty fun. I don't know if you remember Pocket Rockers, but they were like an 80s toy. They were pretty cool. Wait, what the fuck are Pocket Rockers? They're like a little like recorder. They have like a song on them. And you can like buy them. They were like neon colors. They were really cool looking. So there was like a tape in it and it would play like one song and you could just like listen to the one song over and over. Ah, that's cool. How long were you in this uh, garage band? Probably like two years. It was fun. We had uh, we had two awesome like female singers who were my friends. We just like got drunk and got on stage and made a scene. We had a lot of friends who were in actual good bands and they would have us open for them because we were... We are entertaining. Did you bother naming yourself when you made trance music, or was that just fucking around on the computer? No, I never released anything. It was just fucking around on the computer. And that was back... Like One thing I discovered that actually made us so I finish songs is not fucking around with hardware and just using software sense. And granted, that wasn't a thing back then, but uh, it's really easy to get caught up in just futzing around with synthesizers and uh, like not finishing songs and getting too into the gear. And it's like a lot easier when you actually kind of like just stick on the computer and like try to finish stuff. You can get lost noodling with things. Lots of people love it. And I, I think it sounds amazing, but I just can't, I just can't finish stuff when I go that route. So there was this big gap though, right? Because you released the first thing, I guess it's not a big gap, but I mean, you released as Star Runner in 2016, you had the, the Star Runner EP, mm-hmm. but then uh, you didn't release the other one for like three years. I think, yeah, two years, maybe two and a half years. So like after I did the first one, I got that out pretty fast and I was like, all right, I want to like learn how to make actual songs. The first one is more like electronic style. They're more like soundtracky and like, I really love that style, but I wanted to make like pop songs. So it took me a little while to get to a place where I was making stuff that I really liked. And then it also took me a while to connect with some vocalists um, to work with on the tracks. And, you know, I reached out to some people and I was really lucky to find uh, Kelly and Megan, who each contributed two tracks on the album and were just amazing to work with. You know, when you're collaborating, it can take a little while, especially if you haven't done it before. And I'm a crazy perfectionist, so I also spent a really long time on everything, getting it right. So, I mean, like you have things you're working on right now or... Can you work on stuff right now? Kind of. I got to get like my life in order a little bit with this nomadic existence, but I got all my gear. I um, well, I actually spent the last few months just like prepping for live shows. So I got hit up in like, I think November by a user who's an awesome dude from uh, Seattle. Um, and he wanted me to open up for him when he was playing in San Francisco. And so I was like, all right, this is a good time to get my live stuff together. I don't want to just like get up there and press play. So I'm going to like deconstruct all my songs and come up with like cool live versions that are maybe like a little more banging, like strip them down, kind of have more builds and stuff. So I got really into that and spent a month or so kind of deconstructing things and doing new arrangements. And then I ended up, we didn't even end up getting to do that show, but I ended up having one show before the world shut down, which was at Turbo Drive in San Francisco, which is like 
San Francisco's premiere Synthwave Night. It was just, it was really fun. So when we can play live again, I'm excited. I have a good set. I have a whole visuals component that I built out for it. And uh, yeah, it's it's fun. Playing live is it's a whole different experience. Yeah, for sure, man. How about this? Let's fucking start diving in and listening to some Star Runners. So we might as well, we should listen to a track uh, from the first EP. So I picked this one called Lovers. Sweet. Which I think is the, uh, the last track, which I dug. And we're going to listen to that right now. This is Lovers by Star. Runner.
right, and that was Lovers by Star Runner. And I'm here right now with Star Runner, Emmett. Emmett Star Runner. Hello, hello. So what's going on? Ah, uh, you know, I just built a fort out of all the toilet paper that I hoarded that I can, like, live in. Nice. You think people in Japan are kind of like... Why are they hoarding toilet paper? Why don't they buy d- bidets? Yeah, I know. We should have bidets, man. Like, uh, honestly, like the past few years, I've been looking at just even like the cheap ones, you know, where you just get just an attachment for your toilet seat. Like, not like a f- whole futuristic toilet, but just like a little fucking spout thing. And I keep on just not doing it because I, I never trust it. I never feel like I'm going to be able to plug it in properly. But uh, yeah, man, it's a good thing. I think we should all have them. The end. It does seem a little bit weird to have like the water and the plug right there. If it's one unit, I feel a little more trustworthy, but I don't I don't know. Might electrocute you. Yeah, because I'm not really good at plumbing or I mean, it's not crazy because behind the toilet, there is just like the water valve pipe thingy. See, this is where I'm, <laughs> I'm already failing. Yeah, there, you know, there's a little silver pipe and you plug that into the back of the toilet and then uh, you just disconnect it from that and plug it into the bidet thing first and then and then route that back into the thing and then it would just be cold water right because i don't not everybody has like a hot water valve as well next to their toilet and you need to have the seat be heated and it needs to play like a little bit of music to disguise any sounds you got to go like the full high-tech japanese turbo toilets yep. <laughs> i don't know what kind of music would really cover it like we just need like fucking drums <laughs> I don't know. They actually, I, I don't know if you've been to Japan, but the toilets actually, like, as you flush them, they'll start playing music. And it's usually, it's like the music they play on the trains, too. It's just these happy little video game sounding songs. <laughs> yeah, well, that's cool. It'd be awesome if they just, when you're finished and it just plays just fart noises on a loop. <laughs> if you did, if you do it wrong, it just fucks with you. Yeah. <laughs> like embarrassment mode. You can, like, prank your friend if they're going to the bathroom after you. Actually, that's a... You might be on to something, Emmett. <laughs> so what do you do when you're not uh, making tunes? I'm like a graphic designer and computer animator. I feel like there's actually a lot of those in the electronic music scene. It's actually kind of a similar sort of experience, like making music to doing animation. You're like looking at a timeline and layering things. What kind of uh, computer animation? I've worked on like lots of TV commercials and things like that. So do you do like 3D or 2D? 3D. And some 2D. It kind of all blends together now. They actually make like South Park in a 3D animation software package, which is kind of funny because it's like the most 2D thing you can imagine. Well, I've, I've, I know I fooled around with some 2D stuff, especially like with After Effects. And uh, yeah. there's like that character animator tool with After Effects that does the mouth things, which is kind of cool. Yeah, After Effects is dope. After Effects, I think, is my favorite program. Yeah, when I want to see what you made. No. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> After Effects is pretty dope. That program has been around forever, too. It does, like, so much stuff. They've just been adding things onto it for, what, like, 30 years, 20 years? Yeah, I think that's why I like it. It just It's just some of the most versatile software. And even, I, like, there's a period of time I even forgot how to use Photoshop because any because I, I only ever do, like, kind of simple Photoshops anyways, and so I would just do them in After Effects. You can do it. You can do it all there. Yeah, what um what do you do outside of, of your podcast? For the past little while, it's just been the podcast. But before then, I used to do video editing, corporate video kind of stuff, and really terrible animations and i worked for a company that had a contract with like the ministry of education and so it was just a lot of really boring videos of just principals and teachers talking heads about teaching initiatives and stuff 
I wouldn't even show it to people for a resume. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not great. Uh, dude, that's an opportunity to, like, sneak in subversive stuff. Like, did you ever sneak anything into the videos? Honestly, the projects were so dull that I never... Like, I, I do know that instinct <laughs> to be like, let's fucking throw in something funny. I didn't even have the... the, the well, not ambition, but, like, the... Uh, the inclination it was just so dull that it was just like ah this just be a boring thing because even if i threw in a subversive joke no one cool is gonna watch it or catch it right so it's like not even worth your time to do it you're like i just want to stop working on this thing like when you do 3d stuff like what software do you use i use cinema 4d and uh after effects mainly you can make models and bring them into after effects right kind of you can't really do a ton of 3d stuff in after effects it's more like you like make your 3d in cinema 4d or maya or whatever and then you bring it into after effects to make it make it look pretty they're kind of complementary software what do you find the most fun to do like do you animate people or are you like doing monsters and vehicles or do you get a chance to do any of that kind of stuff i i did more like title animation so like graphic design meets animation so sometimes we would do like cool environments and stuff but it was mainly like animating um like the title for a tv show or like cell phone like riding across like a snow covered mountain to show that it's like versatile and like doing tricks right 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 it was like high production value boring corporate stuff or like you know the molecules in like this new pharmaceutical drug spinning around and looking really high tech <laughs> i like high tech molecules look i want to move forward here to be kind rewind and start listening to some tracks from this one how about we check out this track it's called midnight rain by star runner
And that was Star Runner with Midnight Rain. I'm here right now with Star Runner Emmett talking about animating title sequences. You know what always pissed me off? Did you ever watch Lost? Yeah, man, I'd watch Lost. That show was great. So, do you remember when the word lost at the start in like the sort of the 3D white letters would zoom on into the screen? Yeah. That you would see the damn seam on one of the letters? <laughs> do you know that J.J. Abrams made that himself? Well, no doubt, because you could see the fucking seam. They didn't replace it ever. <laughs> Just stayed there. It pissed me off, because after a while I was like, dude, why don't they fix this? Like, I was watching you know, cinema 4D tutorials, and it would have taken somebody, like, who knew what they were doing, like, five minutes to just redo that title sequence. Was that the only thing that pissed you off about the show? Everything else you were totally fine with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just the jiggling lines and the last uh, two seasons. <laughs> oh, man, the first two seasons of that show are so good. I know. The numbers, when he's down in that bunker saying the numbers, that, like, really messed with my brain. Yeah, like, the first season was so strong... And the second season finale, I loved that finale. You know, where, like, where Locke, you know, he was always having that battle with him and Desmond and uh, Echo. And then uh, he admits he's wrong right at the moment that all the metal started to, like, curl up. And then the, that big sound effect happened. He's just like, I was wrong. And then all of a sudden, and all crunkling. And just like, it was such a fucking awesome scene. It's so good. And then uh, the rest of the show happened. Oh, season three had some decent episodes, but, like, it wasn't just the ending that bugged me. Like, I really didn't... I wasn't into, like, the last few seasons. Like, I just feel like it lost it. Like, season one and two were so strong, and then it just kind of lost it. That's where they got the name. (laughs) (laughs) Boo! (laughs) Boo. I feel like what I realized about the show is at the beginning, you're like, oh my god, I can tell that they have this awesome master plan for what everything means, and then you gradually realize that they're just, like, winging it, and there's no plan, and, like, like, what happened to the... There were, like, polar bears on the island, and, like, weird sounds in the first couple seasons. And then they were, like, gone. And then suddenly there were, like, people who lived there and had a base. And it was just... They just, like, made new stuff up all the time. Like, I, I just wish they had, like, a master plan that they had stuck to. Yeah, it was frustrating. Also because some of the little clues they left didn't make sense. Like, I remember at the start, oh. you know, sometimes the smoke monster would attack people and it would sound mechanical. Like, you'd hear, like, a chain noise. And then... It just turns out that the smoke monster was just that guy. Why did it sound like a fucking machine? Like, I thought it was going to turn out to be some kind of weird future tech or something, and then it was just that guy. It's really disappointing. It's like 2020. Just very disappointing. Yeah, I guess we've been prepped for disappointment, because I was also a huge Game of Thrones fan, and... Uh, oh. Yeah, they kind of shit the bed there, too. It's like, I didn't have, like, a super violent reaction to it that some people did, but the reason why I didn't was because I felt like it was sort of going downhill for like three seasons. Mm. So by the time it got to the last season, I wasn't, I didn't care enough that the quality had dipped. Were you, uh, did you read the books? Were you like a purist of the story? No, I actually purposefully didn't read the books either because everyone was talking about how great the books were and how much better they were than the show. And I'm like, well, but the show is really good. So it's like one of the best shows I've ever seen. I don't want to read a book that's going to make me not think that you know what i mean because the show was so good yeah so i read half of one of the books like before the show came out it was just in an airbnb that i was in and i picked it up because i'd heard about it and it was the most poorly written book i've ever read unpopular opinion i thought like writing was so bad that i couldn't even finish it so i was 
happy to not have read them. And they're also like a thousand pages long each. Yeah, I tried the audiobook, and I'll be honest, it was some of the language he used that sort of I found weird. Yeah. Like, there's some kind of weird sort of sexual language about the characters that I remember thinking, like, this just feels like some old pervert, like, writing a book. I, I don't know. Like, there was aspects of it that felt kind of pervy to me. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, but I don't know, man. Maybe, who knows? Maybe it, it's the greatest thing ever. But, I mean, even the people who told me that they loved the books, they still said that after book three, like, they didn't like the fourth book as much. Like, everyone, pretty much all the build-up to Red Wedding is, like, where it's the greatest. And then it kind of just sort of meanders after that. Yeah, it seems like now he's just never going to finish the story and just let it be this, which was written by, you know, the showrunners to get good, good ratings. I liked the, uh, the zombie dragon was cool. That wasn't in the books. And I was pretty excited about zombie dragon. There's things I liked, like there's elements I liked. I think what disappointed me in like the last few seasons of the show is it just lost its edge and it lost its surprise. Yeah. Like the first few seasons, I, I honestly never knew where the story was going. And the last three, it was all like, you knew exactly what character was going to die. You knew what was going to happen. Everything was just sort of falling into place like you assumed it would. And so the, the show didn't have, I don't know, it just didn't have like the bite it had. It, like uh, when it first started yeah they could have wrapped it up in a much more interesting way i was really hoping that jamie was going to kind of change and save the day there were a lot of things that could have happened and they didn't but look man how about this how about we listen to another track now i was going to play rewind featuring megan mcduffie but before we started talking you sent me an alternate version which was i think from your live set is that right yeah yeah so this is the internet premiere. Um, I reworked a bunch of the songs, and the one for Rewind came out great, added some different details in, and you guys should uh, give it a listen. And hit me up, and I can send you an MP3. I don't know if I'm going to post it online, but I'll, I'll send it to whoever wants it. Cool. Well, this is a this special presentation, and this is Rewind featuring Megan McDuffie, the live version by Star Runner. <laughs> Oh 
And that was Star Runner with the track Rewind featuring Megan McDuffie. And that's a very special live version. Won't find that on the album. Assholes. Anyway, I'm back with uh, Emmett. Only for you do I do I give these premiere moments. Thanks, man. I'm uh, I got nothing. I was <laughs> trying to come up with a pun, but I it's it's hard times. It's okay. I understand. It was rad working with Megan. She was great. She's amazing. Yeah. So you've got her on two songs, right? Or more? Is she on more? She's on two, and Kelly's on two. Right. So what was what was the process there? So I had put together the tracks uh, just instrumentally beforehand, and I just sent them over. In the case of Rewind to Megan, and we kind of chatted about like some themes for the song and bounced lyrics back and forth together. And uh, Megan's way of working is she kind of like puts down the melodies first. So we kind of work on those melodies together and go to the lyrics. We uh, actually didn't meet in person while we were working on it, even though we both live in the Bay Area. We've hung out since then, but it was all over the internet as you do things now. And yeah, it just, just came together. And Kelly's located in um, in Nashville, so that was more distance, but it was a, a similar process with her. And I, I definitely would love to do more tracks with both of them. I just need to get back in writing mode again. When you're not doing music and you're doing like your animation and stuff, like, do you are you a freelance dude or do you actually just work for a company? No, nah, I work for a company, so I'm going to meetings a lot. Not doing as much hands-on animating as I as I used to. I'm working on AR-related stuff right now, actually, which is really interesting. So these are for apps, or what's the what's the idea? Uh, for video chat, yeah. So we do, like, like, AR filters for video chat. Oh! Didn't you message me one day and send me a fucking uh, example? That was you, yeah, right? Dude, there was a, I mean, a synthwave one. Like, right when I started the job, I was like, all right, we got to have, like, a dope synthwave filter. And so, uh, so I made one. It was it was pretty rad, right? Because that was right. Because I get so confused. Because like trying to remember everyone's like artist name and then their real name, and then like when people message me, like I always kind of forget who the hell's who. Because that was right around the time that the Star Wars one came out for the stupid movie. Oh yeah, and I and I think you you messaged me around then about that. Yeah, yeah, totally. So that's what that's what I do. Is I think of ideas for those and, and how we can use them. To the, to the point of getting people's names mixed up, I think it's it's funny in Synthwave because there's so many similar names. Like, I just played a live show with Starfarer, and, you know, I am talk online with Moonrunner. Yeah. There's, like, so <laughs> many similar names. <laughs> One day I want to see a bill of everybody that just has, like, you know, 84 at the end of their name or something. I know. So this is what you're doing all the time now is these, like, AR face filter things? Yeah, the AR face filters take up a lot of my time, which is, which is why it took a while to get an album together. So I got to do it in my downtime. It was easier when I was freelance and I could, you know, take a chunk of time to do it. But now maybe I can use my vacation days for it since I'm not going to be going on vacation anywhere. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. So how's that working? Can you still operate from home? Yeah, totally. I uh, definitely can. Just lots of, lots of video chatting. Because, like, everyone is using video chat right now. We're, like, super busy trying to figure out stuff for people in Italy who are, like, stuck at home or people wherever they are who are only able to see, like, their friends and family through video chat. And then they get bored of looking at everyone's faces, so they need some fucking neon triangles in the background and stuff to keep it interesting. Yeah, you gotta have, have something be there. Have, like, bunny ears or... <laughs> neon triangles or whatever it is. It's really impressive how that stuff works. I know, like, when I would animate in After Effects, I used to do, like, little these stupid videos, and I would try and do, like, fun things, like make people have big eyeballs and stuff. And it was always, like, this really tedious process. And then, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, um, Snapchat, their face tracking is, like, so sophisticated. 
Like some of the things now, you know, when it puts a mustache on you and shit, like it really tracks your face really well. It's crazy. And it works on like old ass phones too. Like you can use it on a phone that's five years old. And I was thinking back like, you told me my phone could do this five years ago. I would just be totally blown away. Really, really cool stuff. We're yeah. Living in the future. Yeah, man. And it's great. <laughs> the future is great. And it's just in time. That's the only way we're going to be able to see each other for God knows how long. <laughs> I know. I really want to hug lots of people right now. No. Well, I mean, I don't want. I mean, I want to, but I can't. You know what I mean? So I feel like the <laughs> the uh, next time there is some sort of synthwave gathering, it's going to be uh, an emotional affair. But look, I want to listen to this track. It's called Night Hunter, and it's cool, and it's by Star Runner.
And that was Star Runner with the track Night Hunter. Lots of errs. <laughs> and I'm back with Star Runner right now. Emmett talking about 3D animation face track and stuff. So, what's your favorite movie, man? My favorite movie? <laughs> Ooh, that's a tough one. I go back to my favorite movie from, like, long ago, which was Seven, the David Fincher film, which is a little fucked up for my old age, but when I was in high school, I really liked that movie because, A, it's what got me interested in, like, doing motion graphics because the title sequence is really cool. And also the music for the title sequence is like an obscure Nine Inch Nails remix. And I was obsessed with Nine Inch Nails when I was in high school. So it like brought all that shit together for me. Yeah, man. There is an art that's lost right now because like a lot of big movies don't have title sequences anymore. And like, wasn't there a specific company that did, they did a lot of like those kind of fucked up kind of title sequences like they did seven and i feel like they did a few other movies with sort of like a similar style where it's like there's like bugs and it's gritty and they play cool electronic music imaginary forces is what they were called or are called they're still around okay yeah 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 that was really cool i never got to work there which is funny because they're like the reason i got into like doing that but i was like it's so cool because you just make this like other piece of art that kind of like tells you about the move of mood of the movie and like what it's gonna feel like but isn't like attached to the plot like gets you in the zone i haven't seen that movie in a long fucking time i remember i did like it my favorite part is when brad pitt's like there he's in the police station i think they're like shooting back ideas or something and then he's like He's a nutbag. <laughs> and then, I don't know why, like, the, just the way he delivers a line. He says nutbag, right? It's been so long since I've seen it. But it had, fuck, that scene that disturbed me, dude, is a, f- I mean, it's obviously it's a disturbing film, but the fucking guy who's, like, still alive <laughs> on the bed. Jesus Christ. But they did such a good job, and, like, I don't know, in the 90s, like, shock stuff was just cool. Everyone was, like, into that, right? Like, Marilyn Manson and Nine Nails. That was just a big thing, and I feel like, Every one of the deaths, they did such a good job of making it like as shocking as possible. It was like, all right, what is this one going to be? It's going to be really fucked up. Yeah, no, that's definitely a fucking <laughs> fucked up movie. But I mean, it's like the direction's really cool. Like, <laughs> David Fincher is cool. He's made lots of cool films. He, he definitely has. I'm, I haven't watched that movie in forever. Uh, it's just the first one that came to mind. I wonder what I would think of it if I saw it now. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. There's, there's a lot of movies that, you know, were my favorite films, but I haven't seen in years. Like, I used to love The Crow. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that in a long time. Good soundtrack. Yeah, man. We used to listen to it when we played video games. Yeah. The fucking Crow soundtrack. Dark City. I love Dark City. That's up there. The endings kind of, it kind of goes downhill over the course of the movie, but like just the world that they build in that movie and the visuals are so good. I love the acting in it. It's so weird. Like I love the, the main, is it Mr. Hand? Is he the main guy? Fucking... We're looking for John Murdoch. Yes. Every all the casting is great. Jennifer Jennifer Connelly's great in it. She does like a really good noir jazz singer. What's his face? 24 guy is amazing. That was the only performance that took me a while to get into. Like everybody else sort of was had a certain style. I remember at first I was like, "What the is he doing Igor?" <laughs> yeah, like what? Like Kiefer Sutherland was like doing Igor in that movie, but like <laughs> <laughs> a really weird movie. I gotta, I gotta go back on a sentimental journey and watch that and The Crow and Natural Born Killers was also a good shock one of that time. Yeah, that's been a while too. Fuck, there's like this this whole period of time. It's funny that you're saying all these movies because we listened to the soundtrack of all of these films when we used to play Goldeneye. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like the, the Lost Highway soundtrack, oh, The yeah. Crow, uh, Natural Born Killers, 
Yeah, it's just this weird, like, a, a lot of that stuff, because it had the Nine Inch Nails connection, I think, to some of them as well, because we used to listen to a lot of that industrial stuff. Yeah, he, Trent Reznor, like, did a lot of soundtracks. Like, I think the Lost Highway soundtrack, he was, like, curated the music for the movie. So then you and I must be sort of similar ages then. Yeah, I'm uh, almost 40. I'm actually, I'm turning 40 in, like, two weeks, and I had a big birthday party planned, but... I think it's going to be like a Zoom conference call now. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe you can make a filter with like the fucking uh, candles. So it looks like you're blowing out candles. Yeah. Are you about the same age? Yeah, I'm 38. Yeah. We'll be 39 this year. Good. Good age to be. I guess. Yeah, because these were all the movies that I watched. This was like the fucking mid to late 90s, right? What like- was your go-to favorite movie in the 90s? What did you What did you like go back to when you were in high school? I mean, The Crow was one I really liked a lot. Um, actually, I have fucking VHS tapes up here. I'm, I can see them because they're in this room. What did I watch a lot? Are you in your like childhood bedroom right now? Yeah. Yeah, what else did I fucking... I mean, a lot of the things you just mentioned, like those were things that were in the rotation. I uh, really like Heat. Heat's always in the rotation. What about Hackers? <laughs> Not so much. Uh, oh, man, I thought we were having a movie connection here. No Hackers? I find hackers funny. It transcends funny, though. If, if you think it's funny for long enough, then it just becomes good. Me and all my friends have just, like, endless hackers jokes. And so it's somehow it's just become a good movie now. Yeah, no, hackers, uh, what I always loved was right at the beginning when Buddy's, like, he's watching the TV and, there's, you know, it's doing this weird montage of all these, like, people talking heads on television. And he just sort of spins around and says, like, get a job. <laughs> and I don't know why that always made me laugh, just his delivery of that line. You like the, the snarky male lead delivery those are, those are your moments huh i like weird and memorable delivery mm-hmm. that's why i love the crow mm-hmm. because i feel like the crow is literally filled to the brim with characters who deliver their lines in such unique and kind of fun and silly ways even though like the subject matter is dark but like all the bad guys are great like all of them yeah you get into these kind of like almost parody characters that are pretty funny and weird yeah so we used to fucking quote that quite a bit that's always makes me love movies and stuff is when they have this sort of there's something unique about the weird performances and stuff and that's why i feel like a lot of movies right now i watch like they're fine but i they don't I don't know, like, uh, a lot of performances just sort of safe, or they say the lines the way you expect that character to say the line, and for me, I need that weird, I need just an extra little bit of quirkiness with the delivery, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. There were a few good movies this year, I kind of I kind of didn't really watch movies for a good chunk of the year, and then after the Oscars, I was like, oh, you just told me what movies were the, the big ones, and I watched... Uh Parasite and Jojo Rabbit, which I would highly recommend. Jojo Rabbit has a good quirky Hitler in it. Quirky Hitler's pretty fun. <laughs> I got to get caught up. I feel like an idiot because I know like people were talking about like how great Parasite was and then I didn't see it and now that it like won the Oscar, now it's like, oh fuck, now I'm like that trend follower like whereas <laughs> I I knew like this there was this great film that people were talking about. It's still a surprise. I think it's kind of crazy that it won best picture. I mean, I think normally Foreign language films aren't even nominated for Best Picture. They're just nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. So hmm. it's, it's pretty special. Yeah, man. How about this, man? Because we could fucking end up doing this for a while. <laughs> I want to listen to another song, but I thought it'd be fun maybe if you want to pick. So you've got two tracks here that feature Kelly Besh. Now, I, I just recorded an episode with the Alphabet Zero. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and so we were talking about her because she features on uh, some of his tracks as well. So... Which one would you like to play? We'll pick one of them. Let's do Almost. Almost is great. I'd love to hear it. Cool, man. Well, this is Almost by Star Runner featuring Kelly Besh. Almost. 
And that was Star Runner with the track Almost featuring Kelly Bash. And I'm here with Star Runner right now. Hello. Reminiscing about 90s movies and all that stuff. But you know which movie we actually watched a lot? And I don't know why. Because it's not like a really standout film or anything. Was uh, Payback with Mel Gibson. <laughs> Payback. Wow, I forgot about that one. Yeah, I don't know why. It was just one of the movies that ended up in our, like, we, we'd quote it and stuff. And it's not a great movie. I, to be honest with you, I haven't even seen it in a long time. It was, like, one of the first of the, you know, when they started tinting the the picture. Mm-hmm. Remember, like, where movies like, just always used to look normal, and then in the 90s, they started going, like, this movie is going to be digitally tinted blue, or this movie is going to be digitally tinted green. I think The Matrix kind of ruined it for everything, because that movie, everything is, like, green the matrix is the only one that has an excuse because at least it was like actually tied (laughs) to the the theme of the film but like everything else it was the 90s where it started and there was sort of like that kind of digital fakeness to the uh to the color grading in the 90s like you remember the weird 90s special effects where movies like the craft and mortal Kombat and stuff like whenever there was cgi the picture underneath would become like really high contrasty and weird like you always knew where there's going to be an effects shot Uh (laughs) uh-huh because they had to have like a printer that printed the CGI onto a piece of physical film. Is that the reason? Yeah. They had to have digital film printers. Gross. They were probably just really shitty back then. Well, it's so much easier now. Like, back then when they did special effects, they would have to, like, invent the program to do the special effects with. And they'd spend, like, two years making the T-1000 or whatever, and they'd be like, yeah, we just, like, wrote the software. Now you can just do it all. I think it's all a subscription now, even. You can, like, get, you know, the program for 30 bucks a month, learn it make like special effects and you don't have to have all this crazy hardware it opens up to a lot more people well that's what i'm kind of hoping with unreal because like i don't know how to code and there's a lot of things like there's a huge learning curve but the game i want to make is a pretty standard like first person shooter and like you know with unreal engine there's a lot of people who just sell assets and and code and animation sequences and stuff like that that maybe it's possible to buy all these packs and just fucking stick them together and then just have a game at the end yeah Still probably pretty hard. I tried learning Unity once, which uh, is supposed to be pretty user-friendly, but I, like, very quickly got to a point where they wanted me to code, and, like, my little brain broke. Yeah, I can't. My brain will never understand that, but I don't want to do anything wild. (laughs) Like, I'm not one of those people who's like, I'm inventing a new game, uh, you know, like, where you play as a fucking marshmallow who's got a... And there's going to have this whole physics engine of, like, where the, the marshmallow goo, like, forms and whatever, like... I'm just trying to make, like, a first-person shooter that just has the aesthetic of, like, an action movie from, like, the 80s and 90s. Well, I don't know. You kind of just described, like, a cool Ghostbusters game where you're, like, fighting the state puff marshmallow, man. (laughs) You should do it. (laughs) <laughs> but that's the thing, like, you know, when whenever I see, like, developer interviews and stuff, everyone's always so excited to announce that, like, we had to design our own game engine from scratch, it's the fucking holodeck engine, it's necessary for 3D plant rendering or whatever, and, like, I don't have those sorts of designs. For me, it's the game I want to exist, like, you know, if you look at first-person shooters on, like, the PlayStation Store, it's either Army Men or zombies or space army men and i'm like (laughs) where the hell is like the game that feels like you're playing like an action movie like what happened to that like why isn't that a thing it's weird a lot of like being creative like i personally when i'm making music i like want to make music that i want to listen to that's like what makes me happy Like if i make like a cool part of a song that i really like like i want to listen to it a bunch i'm like yeah i just made that for me 
I would be pretty happy if no one ever heard it. And I think that's kind of what you're describing too. You're like, I just want to make the game I want to play. I don't want to make the game that like the market said I should make that are going to make the most money. I just want to make something that like I'd play. Seriously, like honestly, it's been decades that I've wanted this game to exist. I guess now if we're going to be inside for a while, it's probably a good time to learn and that's uh and that's what i'm gonna do but what are you gonna do man we can sort of wind this down what's uh what's the future hold for star runner well now that i got my live show all set guess it's time to make some new music i was planning on getting into like a maybe a touring kind of thing and playing some more gigs but i think this whole craziness should give me some time to to sit down in the studio and make some new tracks and maybe find some new people to collaborate with and try to get back to releasing music. Do you have any uh, music you're working on right now or are you still in uh, another mode? Sorry. (laughs) My brain is shutting (laughs) off. I apologize. Uh, Dude, it's been been a long month today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just trying to get through the week. I think it's like super important for mental health to do creative stuff right now and I'm going to try to take some time for that yeah man thanks for uh coming on the show it was nice to chat with you keep on making cool tunes let me know when i can play your game yep it'll be ready uh, in two weeks sweet i'll yeah, keep man. an eye out yeah it's a fast <laughs> development turnaround time but uh we're gonna do it <laughs> keep on being a cool guy and stay safe and all that stuff and happy birthday thanks a lot thanks for having me on i appreciate it always loved your show All right, and that was my conversation with Star Runner. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. Star Runner's a cool guy. Go check out his tunes and uh, tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. And, uh, wait, why'd I just say and? <laughs> you know, when you're just like, I'm wrapping up, I'm like, and, like, I've got something better to say after that. Like, I gotta remember just to uh, end it on the catchphrase. <laughs> Unless I come up with a secondary catchphrase. The best synthwave chat show there is on your spaceship. What? Why am I still talking? Look, I'm out of here. Be seeing you. Thanks for If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth, or you can donate directly on beyondsynth.com. Beyond Synth can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. And remember to like and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. Until next time... Next time.